0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Still doing our sort of video tests. The endless kind of, series uh, of
1: experimentations that represents pandemic pastimes.
0: Yeah, it's. I like that. Wow, did you just make that up? Did yeah. you spin that? I've been
1: thinking about pandemic nice. pastimes a fair bit
0: pandemic pastimes. Yeah, so uh, anyway, we're all in our respective places and hunkered down like you would expect, but uh, I, man, I got something really cool in a story for Better No Framework, so roll the crazy music. Awesome. Alright, man, tell me a story. Alright, Richard, you remember this story. We were on a road trip. I don't remember which one It's all a blur, (laughs) but. (laughs) Yes, there's been a lot of road uh, trips. There's been three of them, right? The road trips with RVs and the whole decals and everything. On one of these, I got an email from this uh, hosting provider, and I won't say who it is, Mm -hmm. but it rhymes with slow patty. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I I think people can probably figure out who it was. And they said, hey, we like your show, and we'd like to talk about advertising on it. And you and I looked at each other and we said, yeah no you sent
1: you forwarded the email to me and I looked at you. we were sitting across from each other right in the RV cuz there's a driver right <laughs> yeah, it's not I like we're right. couldn't just say it, you were hard you just had this look on your face you forwarded the email I look at it <laughs> and I look at you and I go but they suck.
0: But they suck. We hate them. <laughs> yes. I don't want to they, take their money. They represent everything bad in the internet, right? But we do like DN
1: Simple. Yes, we do. Right? Yeah, and that was your response. Like, your reaction to that was, "Well, who do we like?" And I'm like, oh, "We like right. DN Simple. Like they do good stuff."
0: Exactly. So DN Simple, a hosting provider, you can register domains and do DNS records and all that stuff. And it's just so easy. Like, it's simple is the way. There's no ads. There's no clickbait. There's They're not going to trick you into getting services you don't want to buy. It's very easy to transfer domains in and out of their system. Mm-hmm. Like, they just make it easy for you as opposed to...
1: Although you're never going to want to leave because it's so nice to be there.
0: It's so nice to be there. And I, I've i said this on .NET Rocks before, the story of me being in a, a security line at an airport and actually setting up with one hand on my phone using their web interface, which was, it's all written in Go, it's very fast, and it's all very responsive. So, it was easy to use on the phone. Setting up, uh, I think it was mail records for Google or something like that. And it right. just worked. And I had it done by the time I got to the conveyor belt. Nice. And in that particular story, you then emailed them. Yeah, I emailed them right then and there. And I said, and I just, I, I knew it was d simple but they didn't have, you know, so I just led sales at d simple or Info or something like that. And I said, I told the story. I said, hey, you know, we just got pinged by this other company that does what you do. And we don't like them. And we like you. And maybe you'd be interested. And I remember Anthony Eden, who runs d simple emailing me back. He goes, interesting pitch. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> he more. He liked
1: it, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I found the show. What? It's nine nine two, and it's from twenty fourteen. So it had to be the twenty thirteen road trip.
0: Okay, right. So so anyway, we've been uh, great friends with Dean Simple ever since. I mean, we use them for everything. Um, we 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 occasionally mention them on .dotnet rocks but the reason that I'm doing this, telling this story, is because they have something new to offer for oh. .NET developers. They have a C-sharp API. Oh. So, they have a REST API version 2, mm-hmm. and now they've made a C-sharp wrapper for it. And so, that is essentially my, my better-know framework, and I'll post a link for it mm-hmm. uh, on the website. And essentially what you can do is anything you can do with their API. So it's you log in, you can get a list of domains, you can create a domain, right? You can get all the records, you can add records. It's just everything that you'd want to do, uh, to register a site and to work with sites on, in DNS. But why would you want to do that? Well, yeah, yeah. if you've ever had the experience of using, I don't know, the Azure portal <laughs> to create a, to create a web app. You know, you create an web app and let's call it Blazer Train, and uh, BlazerTrain.AzureWebsites.Net gets automatically registered right. in DNS as as your virtual site. They do that by scripting DNS. Am I right, Scott?
2: Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah, that's what they do. So, you know, that's just one example of why you would want to do that. Cool. Anyway, uh I think it's great and I think we should all go to dnsimple.com and give them our .net love. They're not so well known in the .net community, uh, more in the Ruby community, so But I rely on them. Yeah, we really want to show them that we care. Yeah, and they do great work, no two ways about it. They do great work, no doubt about it. Yep. So that's what I got Richard awesome. who's talking to us today. Grabbed a comment off a of
1: show 1654, the one we did back in September of 2019, you know, back when the world was new. Uh, talking to one Scott (laughs) Hunter about the launch of Core 3. (sighs) Seems so long ago. And uh, lots of good comments on this. Yeah, it's ridiculous to think about that. But yeah, September. Uh, I think we probably shot it in August. Uh, Mike Cerny had this comment only eight months ago. He says, I am very intrigued about the possibility that frameworks like Blazor and Flutter could make the question of client-side JavaScript frameworks as obsolete as the COM versus CORBA debates of the 1990s. It is my fervent hope that Flutter for web will be replaced by compiled-to-native applications for Windows, Linux, and Mac OS, just as it currently is for iOS and Android, allowing Blazor and Flutter to become the components of the digital kane, double-enveloping the JavaScript ecosystem and hopefully snuffing it out as the basis of application development in the future. Not that Mike has any strong opinions about this.
0: Hey, we don't... Yeah, we don't want to be mean to JavaScript developers. We like JavaScript developers. We don't want to snuff it out. But, you know, in my little world, I would prefer to write things in C Sharp.
1: Well, just having a viable alternative. I mean, in so many cases, we've seen folks that said, well, I didn't necessarily want to choose JavaScript, but what else is there? You know, realistically, the the, the native dev experience has been struggling. And and clearly, there's some cool moves going on right now that open up other possibilities. Yep. So, Mike, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Co-Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Co-Buy, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you
0: comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send
1: you a copy of Music to
0: Co-Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. It's simple. Nice.
1: As is registering your domain names.
0: for a reasonable As simple price. as registering your domain names. Yeah and not C getting, sharp.
1: and not being afraid of clicking on anything cuz it's a booby trap link to some service you don't actually need. It's going to get cost you 100 bucks to have, turn off again and then except you have to call two one eight hundred numbers never answer a freaking number and then when you finally get through it, they say you could have done this on the website and they were lying.
0: Not that I have strong opinions. Not, not, not that you're bitter about. <laughs> not at all. Dude, I've had the same experience. Oh. Uh, I have given up. I'm like Yeah.
1: It took a year to get all the domains off.
0: Somebody wanted me to transfer their domain out of Slow Patty, mm. and I tried. And I'm not a dumb guy. Like, I'm pretty smart. I can follow instructions, but I could not do it. Yeah. And, and and if I can't do it, Grandma Franklin certainly can't well, do it. They,
1: yeah, you know, we're supposed you to know? be the technical experts here, and we're struggling with this stuff, too. They create obstacles, and, and they put it in the, in the model of it's security. We don't want people hijacking your domain. I was like, I'm pretty sure you yeah. just hijacked my domain by not letting me move it where I want to go. Exactly. I have strong
0: opinions about it. All this. right. Well, let's let's bring on a man who needs no introduction. He's Scott Hunter. He runs .NET. Is yeah. there anything else? <laughs> That's it. I mean. What more do you want? You're the .NET guy at Microsoft. Back. I guess.
2: Hey, how's, how's it going, guys? <laughs> good to
0: see you, man. Pretty good. Yeah, good to see you. We're just recovering from
2: build over here. So it's kind of post-build.
0: Right. Yeah, it's
1: a hangover. That was a crazy week or crazy 48 hours anyway.
2: Crazy crazy uh, two weeks, actually. So what we learned is we learned that uh, virtual build is actually more work than physical build. It huh. um, makes wow. sense. Uh, just think of it. We, we actually, some of the stuff we had to do was pre-recorded about two weeks before build.
1: Right, right. Normally,
2: we, we ship all the bits at build. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to use bits a few weeks before build, um, and so it's like trying to get some of that stuff to work uh, two or three weeks before build is actually a challenge. Um, and then uh, Scott Hanselman and I had a fun time. We were we were d- doing a long version because the build set build talks were only thirty minutes this year, right? And uh, twenty minutes of presenta- presenting, and then ten minutes of questions. But we wanted to have like a traditional long one. And uh, we sat down and, and got on a phone call and started recording it. Uh, the next thing we knew, we had done eighty-eight minutes or oh. forty-five minutes.
0: That's you not know anything. Like, never, never had that experience before.
2: <laughs> so, then we re-recorded two days later, and it goes to ninety minutes. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll shorten it to seventy-five. Wow, and you went the other way to ninety, um, and we, we ended up going with the ninety-minute one. Uh, but we introduced a lot of cool stuff at Build, and I think. Uh, Um, we're talking about Maui today?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It seems to be the thing in the .NET community that they're buzzing
0: the most about. But you know what, though? There's still a lot of people who've never heard of it. I mean, if you weren't paying attention at Build, if you didn't go or didn't watch. So let's start at the beginning. What is Maui?
2: To talk about what .NET Maui is, we need to go a little further back than just .NET Maui. Um, We need to talk about the vision that we have with .NET 5 and .NET 6. Um, So, you know, Along the journey, we're at .NET Core 3.1 now, and we want to unify the stacks, um, and that means literally we, we kind of think of it as with .NET Core 3.1, we took we we said kind of at the end of 3.1 or 3.0, we have taken all the stuff we're going to take from .NET Framework, and we're done. We're not going to copy anything else in, um, but we still have Xamarin, uh, and we and it's not part of you know the .NET Core SDK, and right. so we need to move those bits into .NET. And so we're calling this one.net where we take all the last bits of stuff that we want to put into.net moving forward and move them in. And that brings up a bunch of questions. You know, imagine one of the some of the feedback we got about .net framework was, yeah, it's kind of big and it's got lots of stuff in it. Um, and there's a fear that we've heard as we've, we've talked about this one.net thing for the last year or so that, oh, you're going to make .net core turn into this huge Hulk. Right. Um, and that is actually not the intent. As part of this wave, uh, we want to we want to actually say that we're going to have a single .NET SDK. And so, imagine in the .NET six timeframe, we have a single .NET SDK. Mm-hmm. Um, what I envision it actually having inside of it is only two things: uh, console apps and class library apps, hmm. and absolutely nothing else.
0: Okay, just to get the UI list stuff. We're going to
2: remove Carl. We're going to call this .NET Slum. I'm
0: kidding. Nice. So we're,
2: um, and we're, and everything's kidding.
1: just going to be CLI from now on. Nobody needs a GUI. What a waste of time. I'm looking forward to doing a CLI on my phone. That's going to be fun.
2: We're going to have the best ASCII art you can ever have. <laughs> we're going to have the whole ASCII art library in .NET. Optimized for
1: mm, I need a new Windows cent- Terminal. I need a new Microsoft Centrifold ASCII logo. text.
2: <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> 80 by 25 rules, man.
2: We don't want to. We don't want to go keep chunking more stuff in. We want to make the. Uh, we want to make it your choice, right? So imagine .dotnet add uh, web or .NET add desktop or .dotnet add uh, Maui. Um, and so,
1: I mean, isn't this essentially what you did with .NET core with the WinForms SDK? That you know, the the that the you don't have to have it if you don't need it.
2: You don't have to, I would say, we ship it in the SDK. Right. But if you build an ASP.NET application or a console application, it doesn't have to carry any of the payload of the desktop frameworks. Right. Um, But I want to go a step further and say, even as a developer, you don't have to carry all these things. I mean, here's the reality. Once you start trying to build mobile into .NET, Mm -hmm. well, that's got emulators for Android. Um, It's got Android SDKs. You know, I don't want to go and say, "Oh, we're going to go add ten gigs to .NET just because we want to add mobile." Right? Right. Um, I really want to make it an optional choice. Um, But we we thought at the same time, if we make all the things optional, maybe we come a little more like Java, where the first party frameworks aren't always the thing you think about. Right? You could have .NET add service stack, Mm -hmm. Um, and you could add you know any third party library could be become a first party library. Um, So we hope it's a, a trend of not emphasizing our stuff as much and letting the community actually have an easier path into being a first-class citizen in the, in the, in the SDK.
0: Can I just make sure I understand? So you're talking about in .NET 5, the .NET 5 core for lack of a better word is going to be headless.
2: Uh, The the, uh, being able to add components into the SDK will be a .NET 6 feature. Um, it, It didn't make the cut line for five because um, oh, okay. it's a pretty big feature
1: right yeah
2: but it means that you know today dotnet Core ships with desktop and ASP.NET built in yeah and in .NET 6 it would ship with just class library and console built in and okay. then you would just a la carte add whatever you want you know you so if you're about- visual studio web boxes and stuff like that you'll get the pieces you need sure
0: so nothing's going away and Maui is the UI the the UI for everything, so to speak.
2: .NET Maui is the UI for cross-platform UI. If you want to yeah. build a, a single project that can target Windows, Mac, Android, and iOS, .NET Maui is the the technology for that.
0: And this is all .NET six timeframe.
2: Yeah. So the schedule we have for like the .NET Maui project is, um, as I said, this, ad comp- this ad- being able to add things to the SDK uh, didn't fit in five. Right. Um, and some of that's just because of the, way the, the situation in the world today. I mean, the reality is we're going to be a little careful and not try to overdo things knowing that we've got remote people and we don't want to have burnout and stuff like that. So sure. you know, have to be conscious of what we're doing. Um, but the intent would be somewhere, somewhere around the RC of .NET 5, uh, which is currently scheduled for around September. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oh, .NET okay. 6 branches would open up. And when the .NET 6 branches open up, that's where the .NET MAUI project will show up in that. And so I assume... September, October-ish, you know, a, a developer can get nightlies uh, from GitHub.
1: Interesting, so it's not that far away if you if this is something you're really interested in. And I, and I just want to make it very clear here, Scott, you're not taking anything away, right? If I want WinForms in .NET 5, there's a WinForm solution for .NET 5. If I want WPF for .NET 5, there's a WPF solution for .NET 5. Like, my current project should work. Yes,
2: we don't plan to take anything away. We're just making .NET more modular, right? where even as a developer, you don't have to have WinForms and WPF and Xamarin and ASP.NET. If you're just building IoT applications using machine learning, you don't need a whole bunch of stuff.
0: Makes sense. Um,
2: I don't want to get to a point where one day people go, oh, why why is the .NET SDK one gig? Yeah. I don't want to be that.
0: So as you're saying this, I'm thinking that currently in Visual Studio, when I create a .NET Core 3.1, say, console app... Am I linking in all of that uh, desktop stuff? You're not. So why is, why don't you just leave it up to Visual Studio to handle you know, what gets added?
2: Well, as I said before, as soon as I add mobile, that means I have to add emulators and SDKs for other platforms. Right. Do I want to say that if you just want to build a console application, you have to have two gigs of that emulator crud and stuff like that?
0: But you just told me I didn't have to do that. I mean, today when I build a .NET Core console app i get just
2: well we don't have for mobile projects today
0: oh oh okay so uh, if
2: you check the xamarin workload in visual studio you get the android sdk you get a java implementation the sdk requires that you get the android emulator you've got to turn hyper v on uh there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of comes with that workload Mm -hmm. and i don't want to make every sdk bring that workload and so when we first thought of this we said hey we'll we'll turn it off for the mobile workload and then we said, why, why not just do it for all the workloads right. and let developers choose what they want? Um, in a lot of ways, we come, become more like some of the other frameworks where we're very lightweight, um, and you just bring the workloads that you want. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the hope, as I said, is, is all to enable other frameworks on top of .NET to use the same mechanism.
1: Right, right. You know,
2: I said, if you're, using, if you're a service stack company, then you just say install the, the .NET SDK and say .NET install service stack. Nice. Or whatever command we have to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could. I totally um, see that. I also get the sense that this is about but, Xamarin itself evolving. Like Xamarin has been this acquired product that's been in for a few years now, clearly matured a bit, but it's always been an other thing rather than part of .NET.
2: Right. We don't want it to be an other thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's along with this new SDK style, we also want to have the exact same tool chain that people have been using for the last couple of years for .NET Core to to enable all the workloads. Right. So I should be able to say .NET New Maui, .NET Build, .NET Run, just like I could with all the other uh, .NET Core projects today. So we consider this to be a single SDK with additive components. Um, it'll be a single BCL. Today, if you build a Xamarin project, you're using the mono BCL. right? If you build a core project, you're using the core BCL. So there's slight behavior between these two platforms. In the new world, in the.net five slash six world, there'll be one BCL. It'll be the old or the current.net core BCL, but all.net projects will use the exact same BCL no matter what you're building. Um, And then all your.net projects will use the same SDK style projects that we use for.net core today. And then they'll all have the exact same command line tool interface that we've had for all the .NET Core projects. Nice. So it's, that's why we call this a unification.
0: What does that mean for .NET WASM, which is its own kind of thing, and it's Mono right now, right?
2: Well, well, Mono's not going away. So even in this .NET six wave, the runtime you'll, you'll use for uh, a WASM application or a mobile application will be Mono. Okay. It's just they're all going to share the same VCL.
0: Oh, okay, good. Like, so Mono is really the platform whereas okay. So
2: we're sharing as much of the library as we can, but, but uh, we look at the Mono um, runtime as being the uh, runtime for running on mm-hmm. any device that we have to run natively on.
0: Right, it's the cross-platform CLR.
2: Well, it's the native CLR. So if you want to run, if you, you know, like on, a, on an iPhone, uh, an iOS device, you can't run through an interpreter or, uh, right. or you can't do IL and that kind of stuff. Right. So we have to be native on those platforms. And so Wasm is the same kind of thing. We're running Wasm uh, so it becomes native in the browser. And so any app that uses native will use the mono runtime and everything else will use the .NET Core runtime. Very cool. Um, And the hope is eventually we'll get to a point where you can choose which of those runtimes you want to use. So you might decide to build an IoT application and you want it to be as small as possible um, and so you decide you go use the and, and and you don't want it to uh do reflection or or any of those types of things for security reasons and so you might want to choose to use the mono runtime and so that's that's something that we I don't know if it'll happen in the 5/6 slash six wave um but it's something that's on our our roadmap
1: yeah, you're setting yourself up to be able to do that i also see now that like maui's actually going to be okay so you need to build a multi-platform app as opposed to you want to a native Windows app or other platforms potentially native UI pieces.
2: Right. Um, it, the way I think of the Maui thing, .NET Maui. Very, um, very cool. That's what we're supposed to call it. Um, we think of it as there's there's two phases of this. You, you made a great point earlier, Richard, when you said you know Xamarin has felt like it's an optional component or it's an add-on. Right. Mm. Um, once you get into the .dotnet six wave. Um, we were going to rename a bunch of stuff. So today, you create a Xamarin iOS project. Right. That'll in in, in Visual Studio in .NET six. That'll be called .NET for iOS. Right. Great. When you want to go build an Android project, which is a Xamarin.Android project, that'll be .NET for Android. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to go build a what we used to call a Xamarin Forms project, that'll be .NET Maui.
1: Right. Okay. And that makes sense to me. What you're describing is an evolution of of Xamarin Forms too.
2: And I think you're going to love some of this evolution. My my favorite part of the evolution is if you build a Xamarin Forms app today. Um, so you know you can use .NET to build these multi platform apps today. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you finally new in Visual Studio to create one of these, you'll end up with a a iOS project, an Android project, um, a Windows project potentially, and you'll get a shared class library as well.
1: Right. Yeah. So you get
2: four projects at least. That doesn't feel like a unified thing. That that feels like you've got a whole collection of bits. Um, and so one of the coolest parts of this uh reimagination of Xamarin Forms is in the future, it'll be a single project.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: Um, and it, inside that project, you'll have a resource node where you can store all the resources. That'll be your fonts and your icons and your images and all that kind of stuff that can be used across all the different platforms. There'll be a, another node in the project called platforms. You can open mm-hmm. that up and there'll be a, a folder for iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac. And inside of each, inside of that folder, that's where you would put your platform specific right.
1: code. That was my next question. Wow, it's like, okay. you know I presume we're not only going to have one code base, but there's going to be, you know, if iOS code somewhere, just tell me where it's going to live.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to make some native call to something on some device, I, I whether it's windows or iOS or Android, there'll be some point you're going to, you're, you're going to want to make a native call right. and all that code will go in the platform node under the platform of, of, of your choice.
0: And I imagine that code will have, you know, the same interface for for each each platform. Will have a different implementation of an interface that will be standard among all of the platforms.
2: If you, if you want to, if you want to write an API that can be shared across all the platforms, yes, you could do that. But you might just say that you just have a a method called foo, and on Android you call some some native call for for that, and on iOS you call some native call for that. For Windows, you call some. That's the non-interface <laughs> version where you just just do it manually. Sure. Um, yeah, okay. And so I think that's going to be a cool aspect of it. Then another cool aspect of .NET MAUI to me is, you know, today, it used to be when I tried to build a Xamarin Forms application or a Xamarin application, the hardest part was getting the emulators booted up, oh, yeah. mm. uh, getting a device connected. Uh, if you're on an Android device, you've to put the device in developer mode. You know, there's a right. lot of steps. Yeah. Um, and so one of the real cool things about this new unified model is, now the default choice is when you're on a, on your Windows machine, Control F5, F5 just runs on Windows. So you don't have to have an emulator, you're just running natively on the platform. Right. So your inner loop is really, really, really good because you're doing it on, a, on the native hardware versus having to go do it on the Android emulator uh, or plug an, I, uh, uh, an iPhone in, into the machine to go, to do that. So mm-hmm. you know once again, because it's a single project, you now be able to right click on the project and there'll be a deploy option and it'll give you a list of all of, of the uh, potential targets you want to actually go to.
1: So if, and if I hear correctly, then you're going to start testing on the Windows platform first, because it's easy and quick and you got short cycle times. And at some point you're going to want to check yes. these things against Android and iOS and Mac as well, but not for every iteration.
2: Exactly. Okay. It, exactly. I mean, we've all done it, whether you're using Android Studio or using uh, Xamarin, mm-hmm. you know, copying an app to a phone, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, we, you have to copy megs, you know, across a cable to a phone, uh, which is, it's not fast. Yeah. Um, right. Another cool part of this, which is something we've already shipped that, that folks don't really, a lot of folks haven't captured or, or picked up on is um, we have two technologies, hot reload and hot restart. And um, one of my favorite demos that I do these days is I take a Windows PC and I take an iPhone and I plug it into the Windows PC, and then I control F5 to the iPhone. Right. I didn't install any tools on the iPhone. Yeah. I didn't do anything magic. I don't have yeah. a Mac. I just plug the device in, and it works. Um, and that that will come over with .Net Maui as well. Um, and I think that is phenomenal tech. So it's like as, as Richard said, you interloop on Windows first, and then when you want to try it on the device, just plug the device in. Um, And you get this hot hot restart, hot reload feature. And uh, for people that don't know what it is, first off, it is that quick connect. But once I connect it and I run the app the first time, uh, as I said before, typically you you copy a whole bunch of files over to the app, uh, to the device to get the app running. Once that app runs the first time, when I make a change, we just send the Delta across the wire. So we don't have to go send 50 megs or 60 megs back to the device each time. So you make a change in Visual Studio, and you press save, and we shoot the diff across the wire very quickly, we rejet the, the app on the on the device, and the code just runs. So you can literally change the XAML or change the C-sharp for your application in VS, and the app should refresh almost in- instantly, uh, making that inner loop super, super fast.
1: And that works today? Well, and you're speaking to me about that UI twiddling problem, right? Like you're constantly, you got it working, but it doesn't look quite right on iOS, and you got to twiddle the UI, UI. So it's little changes over and over again. It's aggravating. if It takes a long time.
2: If it's if it's twenty seconds or thirty seconds each time you do that, yeah. um, uh, it's aggravating. And so we, ha- uh, Carl, to your question, yeah, we have that today. Uh, today that works in iOS. We want to bring that bring that to Android as well because Android has the exact same problem.
0: So, so, wait a minute. Before we move on to Android, what you're saying is I no longer need a Mac to compile a Xamarin iOS app. You're, are you compiling it right on the phone itself?
2: We are compiling it on the phone itself.
0: Hello. Hello. Hello.
2: You can't publish <laughs> it to the store like that. No. You, you, know, you, have to, you have to publish app yeah, sure. the final, the final to the store. Uh, I, the, the cool thing about this is uh, if you have an iPhone… Um, all you need to do is have iTunes on your machine. You have to go to the developer.apple.com, create a developer account, which are free. Yeah. And with all the all that, you can actually just plug your iPhone in and run your app directly on your iPhone now, with no uh, hiccup.
0: Now I have a dilemma. Do I sell my MacBook? <laughs> do I cancel <laughs> Mac and Cloud? Well, I, I have a well, problem probably,
2: now. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me be clear. If you want to publish the app to the to the iOS right. app store, yeah. or the Apple App still, you still store, have you to, do go to use the a staff. Mac a Mac for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it. a Mac has to be, but but if you have 10 developers, they don't all have to be no, you could have juggling one. a bunch of hardware to make that work. They can use whatever if they're comfortable with a Mac, then use a Mac and use Visual Studio for Mac. I love if it. If you're a Windows developer and you like Windows, then use your Windows machine. Um, and then whenever you're done with the project and you want to publish, you have somebody with a Mac publish it up to the, the store for you.
1: And I'm going to interrupt for one moment with this very important message.
0: Hey, Carl here to announce a very special project that I've been working on for the last month. And now it's launched. It's called Blazer Train. That's right. It's free Blazer training YouTube videos. It's a complete class. We've got five episodes up there, including an interview with Steve Sanderson and David Fowler. We're going to have new content every week. Go get it, folks. BlazerTrain.com.
1: And we're back. It's Richard Campbell. It's .NET Rocks. That's Carl Franklin and that's Scott Hunter. Yo. And we're talking a little bit about .NET MAUI. And I remember from the build, there was this sort of theme of developer velocity. And to me, that is all about cycle time. And what you've been talking about so far is shortening that cycle time. That if I can quick deploy to an iOS device over and over again, even though it's not going to get me to the store right away, but it will get me tweaking that UI in less time, so that I can get to a product that I do want to push through the long pipeline to the store.
0: Hell, getting to the store takes weeks anyway, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> what's a build time? I think really, usually under a week now.
2: I, I have never published a real app to the store, so I can't tell you how long it takes. Well, but uh, we were
1: dealing with that um, with um, HTBox stuff, and uh, and the problem is when there's an iOS update, everybody's pushing the store at once, and it's a week. But uh, it's agonizing to develop through that process. It's just so slow that people avoid it like the plague. Or you build totally native, right? Like you you go Swift all on a Mac, like then the cycle time's a little better. This unified dev environment that we all want because we don't want to build for an individual platform, we need, a, we need short cycle times. It's, it's hard.
2: Um, back to the question you asked, Carl. The tech is available today for iOS. Um, we plan to bring that tech to Android as well. Because, you know, once again, Android has that same interlude problem. Um, And so our eventual goal is to have it on all the platforms. Um, And and I'll be honest with you, while we have some pretty good tech for iOS today, I want the same uh, tech for uh, Blazor. I want it for ASP.NET Razor or MVC. I want it for Web API. Um, You know, .NET's got amazing runtime performance. Our inner loop is not as good as it could be, and that's that's an area that you'll see us continue to work improving uh, in .dotnet 5 and .NET 6.
1: Well, to me, Blazor is still at the beginning of all this, right? Like, you guys just getting feature bleed.
0: I'm loving Blazor. Man, it's so effing good. It occurred
1: to me that you've set up a model now that as new platforms emerge, it won't be hard for you to adopt them. Yes. That, to me, is by unifying this architecture, because the platform I'm waiting for is the augmented reality device. And I I would hope it's HoloLens. I don't know that it's HoloLens. If it's something else, it wouldn't matter because you could still build out a library in the .NET 6 timeframe that should be able to just let us develop against it.
0: And, you know, as a testament to that feature, look at WebAssembly. Look how fast that came together from Mono. I mean, you you basically had a cross platform CLR. You compile it to WebAssembly. Boom, you're done.
2: There's still a ton we can when do there, Carl. So the you know the the, yeah. the Blazor WASM that we just shipped um, as part of Build is just the beginning. Um, yeah. Only parts of of your application in Blazor WASM are actually running native. Some of them are right. still running through an interpreter on right. the on the device, and so then the, are on the browser. The next step for us is we want to be AOT. able to enable you in an appraiser app to actually tell us what what code you want to run native. We don't want to run it all native because that would blow the size of the app up. Right. But imagine you're doing a bunch of math or, or you know, graphing or something like that. Mm. Imagine there being an attribute you put on methods. Uh, and uh, with that attribute, that tells us, that it's a hint, hey, if you can make that native, make it native.
0: Or even better, GPU.
2: Yes. That was a demo I wanted to do at Build, actually, that I that just fell to the cracks was... Um, I was going to do Fibonacci uh, oh, and nice. show it both in JavaScript and then show it with Blazer and then add the native uh, attribute to it to show it running. Um, but we kind of optimized to actually ship Blazer instead.
0: Yeah, I, I it was a good choice. I mean, Blazer isn't currently winning any performance contests, but the fact that it's running and you're you're not noticing any big difference with your standard line of business applications, you're not noticing the speed problem i mean unless you're building uh games which of course you know the the aot model of WebAssembly is the next thing right so that's ahead of time compiling that 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 will uh how does that work into the 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 what's native and what's not story
2: so we we do some of that today by the way so so Blazor wasm is doing some aot today we're aoting some of our tech Okay. Um, so, you know, we actually went and looked and fu- figured out which parts of our tech were the most critical to make an app run fast on the on, in, in Blazor Wasm. And so mm. we do AOT some of that already. Our hope in the future is to give you, as I said before, the choice so you can decide, uh, hey, tell us to AOT more tech. Because as you said, I don't think it matters for most. If you're building a Forms app or something yeah. like that, it's not going to matter at all. Um, it's only when you want to go do something where you're doing machine learning or, yeah. you know, computations or, uh, as you said, gaming, uh, but there's actually quite a few blazer games. Uh, yeah, that are pretty good. Today.
0: Early on, we looked at what was it, Richard, an asteroids game yeah. that was written in WebAssembly. Assembly was written in C or something. It was really fast, but well, it that was like, the whole
1: thing, pfft, right? Is plank. that you could take all the C plus plus code and just run it inside of WASM because it was, it's fundamentally yeah. at C, right?
0: Oh, you guys nailed the size of the of the .NET WASM, the the Mono CLR. It's less than 800 k. Think about that. Yeah, it's
2: not, it's not bad. We we still think there's more work to be done there. That was one of the uh, as we were rolling into build. You know, prior the, the the biggest priority is on on knocking size down was on the Blazor side, right? Yeah, um, all up. People always ask us. You know, can you make a smaller you know executable in in uh, .NET? Um. I was in, one of the demos I did to build in the long talk was we took a .NET new web app and uh, three dot you know three point one three 3.0 zero and three point one have a feature where you can make a single exe um, and we have a feature where you can turn a linker on and we'll try to throw out as much of .NET that you're not using shake the tree shake the tree a little bit um, and and that .NET new web in 3.1, that ends up with about a forty five meg file. Um, and by the way, there's lots of things we can do to make that file smaller. Like, for example, well, first off, the 3.1 single executable is not the most optimal. Um, we, 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 it was the first step. .NET 5 has the second step. So in the first step, we basically took most of your code, stuck it in a resource in the, in the file. And when you run the file, we uncompress that resource onto disk and then run the, the folder that we uncompress. And mm-hmm. so you, you pay a startup cost while we do that work. Uh, in dotnet 5, um, we don't do that anymore. We can actually just run the executable. And so your startup time is going to get a lot better because we're no longer yeah. doing that uncompressed. Nice. Um, so I showed in the long talk, I took a, that same .NET new web and I built it as a single leg Z uh, with linking turned on and it went to 17 megs. Nice. So 45 megs, 17 megs. If I then decided to go and, and add a single feature that we, we just didn't have time for build, I could also compress the file um, and it actually might even, you know, that's going to reduce IO probably. So we're actually challenging ourselves, wondering if that'll be faster than the non-compressed one, because it's less IO <laughs> um, that can get below 10 megs, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, that's a fully functional, you know, .NET new web microservice, uh, sub 10 meg self-contained, which means no .NET has to be on the machine. Right. Um, it's kind of where we're, now
0: but but if you think that's small for the listeners uh a new blazer WASM in release mode with the linker turned on just like your standard counter and fetch data whatever application 1.9 megs compressed 1.9 megs well done you
2: thank you that's, that's I, I have to thank the the the, the mono team and the blazer teams for that that's a lot of work to go in to make those things Super small, um, but yeah, you, I think you're going to find that once you add a bunch of JavaScript frameworks in, you're in the yeah. same ballpark as those things. You're not going to be like ten times bigger or a hundred times bigger. You're going to be in the same ballpark, um, and you get to stay in C sharp on both the client and the server. Um, and it's pretty pretty crazy.
0: It's amazing. Thank you. Um,
2: and th- <laughs> we'll get better. That's, that's we've only done what we've done so far. I mean, that's yeah. You know, yeah. I was telling you we. Continue to make the linker tech better as yeah. we go um, and based on customer feedback of what they're looking for.
1: Right. Yeah. To me, it's still early days. You finally, I mean, part of build was shipping the, the WebAssembly side of, of Blazor, although the number is 3.2. So that's a lot of iterations before they called it, okay, here's the first version. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we still it's it's in the 3.1 SDK. It's called three point two because we have to version this stuff up somehow. Right. But we we're not gonna we're not gonna rev um, core. And we should we should also be clear. We should not discount Blazer Server either. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's great. Blazer Server will give you in that same thing you talked about that was you know you were talking about one point nine megs. Blazer Server will do it in about eighty bytes.
0: Eighty bytes. Yeah. 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 Easy. Yeah.
2: Because in Blazer Server. We don't ever put a, a framework on the client device at all. Right. There's no JavaScript framework, and there's no .NET framework. Well, there's, there's a little JavaScript,
0: like it. but it's, it's just I to, to interact with the DOM and do R. single R. There's just a little JavaScript.
2: It's a little shim, yeah. It's, it's enough shim to basically, you know, for people that don't know how it works, for Blazor server, we render the screen on the server, and then we initially will ship it up to the client. When you press a button or click some action on, this, on the device, we send the command back to the server... We run the, run the screen again, we do a diff, and all we send up is the diff. And so in the case right. of that counter example, when you press that button, 10 bytes fire across the wire probably yeah, to go and nothing. and do a loop to do that. So if you want the smallest, you know, I, I like to say, if you want a super small spa, Blazor server is an amazing way to do a super small It's the way
0: to space. go. Right. Everything's on the server, so you don't have to make an API layer. You can just call your resources that have credentials right there from the server. It's great. The more I dug into WebAssembly and how it works, you know, people have this question about, is it secure? Is it safe? I don't want my code running in, in, in the browser. It's C sharp code, you know, but WebAssembly is actually even more secure, even more locked down than, than, uh, JavaScript because the code to access the DOM happens all from JavaScript. You have to write a JavaScript handler. If you're doing a WebAssembly app, now you, not if you're doing a Blazor app, cause you guys have done it already, but essentially your Blazor shim for WebAssembly, WebAssembly is compiled code. But if it wants to interact with the DOM, it has to make a, send a message out to JavaScript and then the JavaScript interacts with the DOM. And so that's it. JavaScript is your interactivity to your interaction gateway to the, to the machine and to the browser. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, uh, it's funny because I, you know, all three of us have all been around for a while and mm-hmm. we watched, you know, the Java plugins uh, for running Java code in the browser. We watched, you know, mm-hmm. Flash, we've seen ActiveX, um, and all three of those were never secure. And it feels right. like WebAssembly is the first time we have kind of got this thing right where because we already had browsers running sandboxes already. Yeah, right. Putting another right. thing in the sandbox, you're already in the sandbox.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From the, from an IT perspective, there's just no new attack surface, right? I already gave you permissions for the browser. Right. That's all you get. You get no
0: more and you don't need anymore. Don't need anymore. The, the other thing that's interesting is knowing what I know from diving into it, the, that WebAssembly interaction is the perfect place to abstract for Blazor server and Blazor client because you're sending messages anyway, right? So you just put for Blazor server, you just put a signal R layer in between those messages and where the code runs. It's, it's really brilliant.
2: I'll throw out one crazy thing um, that we have a demo that we didn't do at Build. Um, I apologize, Steve. Um, Sanderson. Crowding this. <laughs> um, we, 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 we also are experimenting with taking the two technologies, .NET MAUI and Blazor, and merging them together. Wow. Um, and oh. this will let you have a Blazor app. It's a web app. So this is for developers that want to do a web apps, kind of Electron-style apps. But we host them inside of a native app, a .NET Maui app, and so now you've kind of kind of got a, a Blazor app that actually has access a WASM Blazor WASM app potentially that, that has access to the actual underlying hardware.
1: Right, based on the runtime that .NET Maui
2: provides.
0: Okay, so how's this different? How's this different from the Blazor mobile bindings that you guys are working on?
2: Um, this is different because the Blazor mobile bindings you can only put uh, Xamarin controls inside of that. This is the full web. You can you can put web in this thing. So if you want to go write a Razor page, um, it's full web.
0: All right. So uh, is it using Web Window or something else?
2: It's using a Web View. Yeah. So it's going to use a Web View. Web Window. Uh, so basically, just like the Electron app, we host a uh, you know in our case it would be an Edgeium shell or Web Web View.
0: Oh, Web View. And so like that, the Chromium Web, web View. Yeah. Got it.
2: Um, and so native shim to launch the web view, and then you've got your Blazor running inside of that. So it feels like a PWA, but it has full access to the hardware. And if you want, because it's actually a .NET MAUI app, you can put sure. native controls in it as well. Um, you know, it's, Steve Sanderson has an awesome demo where we've got native controls and we have web controls side by side, and they're sharing state. So as you press the counter button on the website, it updates the, hmm. the screen on the native side. Um, but it gets to, the, we, we think that, uh, this is an area that we, as the .dotnet team are just kind of exploring. We call these hybrid apps. Um, yeah. and a lot of Microsoft apps you use today are very hybrid where they, it's a mix of native technology right. and a mix of web technology. Sure. And that's a space that we're going to explore, um, you know, maybe in the .NET 6 and beyond timeframe of enabling that for our developers as
0: well. So I got a business card from Steve Sanderson the other day and his title said, super genius. <laughs> Straight out of, yeah. <laughs> he's just a madman. That guy yeah. is freaking yeah, brilliant. To pay
1: attention to whatever he's working on because he's thinking about a problem you're going to have a year from now <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: or
0: more. Yeah,
2: he, he's super genius and super demo. Um, yeah, I have never seen a person. He did a demo at the MVP Summit a couple of years ago where he basically wrote a male client on the stage and he just fired away for an hour. Hmm. Never missed a stroke. Never messed right. up. Um, I and then was never, so nice play. about it
0: he's so nice you just want to kill yourself it's like give me a knife I want to commit Harry Caray.
2: Well, the scary thing is when you watch one of those demos you have to go back and then play him at half speed because he talks so fast yeah. and goes so fast you're like I yeah. don't know what I saw but it was amazing
0: It was, amazing. and I need to see it a couple more
1: times because I'm too amazed <laughs> to understand what just happened
2: <laughs> but you, right. you, you you focus him on the show and have him show some of this hybrid stuff that we've been playing with.
0: Um, well, I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow for a spot on blazer train, which is a new free series that I'm doing on blazer. It's at blazertrain.com topical uh short topics. Right. And uh, I want to, talk to him about the history so maybe i'll get in there and david fowler's going to be in that conversation too because i want to hear about how his head exploded when he saw steve's demo in, in in oslo in 2017 but um yeah maybe i'll ask him about that
2: well the full history of that is when that when their heads exploded then my phone started ringing and yeah. redmond because I, I get these calls you need to see this <laughs> and then you We'll break down this but i mean steve just threw that together in a couple of days. yeah that
1: was the thing that killed you right he's just i'm just experimenting here i'm not quite sure what this is going to be
0: yeah yeah we'll i see. don't know we'll see it maybe might be will thing. something in the future <laughs> but it might be a thing maybe not.
2: Yeah. see what i can do here I, <laughs> I, can, I can i can
1: i can make that happen yeah just just an experiment no big deal where, I mean, Maui clearly looks like you guys have taken a couple of goes at how do we take the UI solutions forward, right? You've got so many moving parts now, so many UI stacks to try and build a unified solution. What was it? XAML standard? Because because it was .NET yeah. standard and it clearly did its job, right? It helped idea. us get all these different flavors of .NET sort of speaking to each other. And then there was this conversation for a while there about xaml standard because there's all these different flavors of xaml you kind of had the same problem and it but it kind of went away
2: it um you know it's it's funny there's a there's a uh thread on mm-hmm. github still about xaml standard XAML, xaml standard was misinterpreted by a lot of folks the, the the intent of xaml standard um when we first talked about it was there's a flavor yeah. of xaml in wpf there's another flavor of xaml yeah. in uwp and there's yet another flavor of xaml in uh Xamarin. forms um, and the initial intent of XAML standard was to actually make all of those have a dialect of XAML that worked consistently across right. all three of those platforms. People interpreted XAML standard as being a cross-platform UI standard. Ah, okay. Um, what it really was meant to be was, was shared XAML. I could take the same XAML from my WPF app and paste it into a Forms app, and it would work. I could take the same XAML in my UWP app and paste it into Forms, and it would work. We did about thirty-one changes. It's I, it's 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 in the thirty-plus changes we did uh, changes in XAML, mm-hmm. in Xamarin forms uh, as part of the XAML standard effort, but it was wildly misinterpreted as cross-platform UI. Yeah,
1: because what you're describing is what .NET Standard did too. That if you've written code that ran in .NET Standard 2.0, it didn't matter which .NET stack you ran, it ran. So I mean, right. what you're describing is completely the same concept. But I guess, yeah, people, because it, it's UI, they just react differently to it. It's not
0: the implementation that's different, though. It's just the standard of XAML.
2: It's the XAML. It's, as Richard, Richard nailed it. It's like, hey, I can take the XAML from my Forms app and paste it into yeah. UWP. It'll just work. Mm. It was right. trying to make those dialects come closer together. We never could do what we really wanted to do with it because it would have been a massive We So we did, we did about 30, 30 to 31 fixes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything beyond that For was somebody. a massive breaking change.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: .NET standard Carter, no. was not a breaking change at all. It was like, here's a list of libraries that we're going to guarantee work on all .NETs. Yeah. Um, making XAML standard saying, here's a new dialect that works on all platforms. We didn't think that was what customers wanted was to basically go and have us make a huge breaking change to XAML. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, and by the way, it's still valid. If you there are there with with .NET Maui, you know we have a repo on GitHub on uh, for this project, and there's people asking us which XAML are you going to support? Are you going to support the uh, WPF XAML or the when you, or the or the UWP slash WinUI XAML or the Xamarin XAML? Um That's a, by the way, that's an area that we didn't even talk about yet. Is um, when we think of .NET Maui, we also want to enable another thing too, which is what if you want to write your UI? You know, XAML has been something that's been around for a long time. Uh, we've used it across various things inside of Microsoft. Um, but you know, there's a lot of popularity to model view update patterns today. Um, uh, simpler binding, uh, simpler syntax in some cases, and so we're exploring that with .NET Maui as well. So there's, there, we're going to give you two dialects of building UI in .NET Maui. One is going to be the XAML that you know and trust. And one is going to be, right. I just want to build it in C-sharp. Right. Um, and so you can basically write a, a stack of UI uh, in C-sharp. Uh, James Clancy on the team has a project called Comet. Uh, you can search for James Clancy Comet in in, in Google, and you'll find that in GitHub. Uh, and that'll show you what it looks like to go build uh, native UI in C-sharp. Um, and then we have, you know, he's working with... Uh, Matt Torgerson on our team, who, who, who kind of like yep. drives the direction of C Sharp. Yeah. And we're asking ourselves, what can we do with C Sharp to make that UI that you would you would build using native C Sharp have less, you know, junk around it, cleaner? Uh, so are there language changes we make in C Sharp to make that easier? Just like when we did Link, mm-hmm. um, we made plenty of language changes in C Sharp to enable that. Um, so we're taking a look at that as well. Um, so I think there'll be two options: building UI, uh, you know, in the in the dynamic. I found a
1: comment time. on GitHub, and he points out that it is a Model View Update toolkit. And I don't know that we've really talked about MVU at all, yes. right? I mean, most of, MVC, obviously, MVVM, popularized arguably by Silverlight, but still certainly an important model in anything XAML-ish. What do you say about Model View Update?
2: Well, that's the, the the cool thing about that model. If you look at it, you just change you change the variables and the screen updates. Right, um, and that's that's kind of the, the gist of it. Is you know you just change the data and the platform wa- is watching the data and, and and things change. I, like I think that. of it. You know, look, if you look at uh, building a, a Xamarin Forms app today, mm-hmm. and you want to show a boolean, you have to go write code to convert that boolean into the binding syntax that works uh in, right. in in XAML. Yeah. If you look at a Blazor app, you know, which Carl's been playing a whole bunch with, you don't do any of that. You just no. you just go and say, I want to bind the Boolean to the screen here, and you change the value of the Boolean somewhere in your code and, and the screen updates.
0: Not only that, but you can do conditional UI, only show this markup if this Boolean expression is true. Which I love right. that. But that's Razor. I mean, you know, we we've been doing that for a while, but I love it in the context of blazer
2: but this is an area we're going to explore and uh it'd be you know i'd also recommend sure. doing a show with james clancy um he's the one driving this aspect of of uh done maui and okay. uh you know if you look at, it, at the project you saw on github he basically builds a credit card form entry uh credit card entry form in c sharp you know live uh, with that project and th- that project also supports all the hot reload hot restart Things I was talking about earlier for the, Xam- the Xamarin Forms apps, uh, which is you just change the code, press save, and the UI refreshes immediately. And so uh, um, he'll be driving a lot of that pretty in, wild. in the Dynamo space.
0: Wow, that's great. Uh, Scott, two minutes left. Anything else that we didn't mention you want to throw out there real quick? We don't get a chance to talk to you very often. Might have missed something.
2: You know, I think the big thing that we we have for developers right now is is my going away message is, you know, .NET Core 3.1 LTS is out there. That's the long-term support version of .NET Core. Mm. Um, If you're building a new .NET app, Mm. you really should consider that tech. That is the tech uh, that will put you in the right place to be ready for .NET 5 and .NET 6. Um, And it's, it's, it's ready now. I mean, it's ready for, you know, we've got WinForms, WPF in that. We have gRPC in that for doing, you know, if you want to use more kind of binary protocol versus doing REST, it has awesome REST support. Um, I think we've checked all the boxes. It's got Blazor client, Blazor, I mean, Blazor, Wasm, Blazor server. Um, it's an awesome toolbox of great tech um, yes, it for is. building new apps.
0: And certainly nothing to be afraid of. You're going to find that there's less goo and less complexity in the the core versions of your favorite uh project types than than you're uh, currently used to
2: it's everything we learned over the last 18 years uh, mm. you know it was why you see less you know stuff, right. in stuff. Those
0: things. yeah love it thank you scott hunter it's always a pleasure talking to you thank you all right and we'll see you next time on dot net rocks